Happy Podcast Eve, everybody! I'm getting the podcast all ready by myself because Megan couldn't be bothered to show up today to support I'm our podcast. Busy! <laughs> hey, Dad, you're not here. You're a good boy. He is a good boy. No, she is very busy. She's working on her very cool job, and so I am doing the intro to Way of Kings, uh, even though this is Megan's pick, and so she usually does it, but I'm just stepping in really fast because. I'm the best sister ever. No, I am. I'm no. making you read the way of kings. <laughs> Anyways, we're very happy you're here. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to Way of Kings by My Sister Made Me View It. Now sit back, relax. Here we go. My name is Megan, and I should be storyboarding. My name is Emily, and I should be editing my book. Uh, so this is our Way of Kings, episode two. We come to you like old-fashioned storytellers around a single campfire, except instead of a single campfire, it's just one microphone. Uh, I am home visiting, and listen, it would be better audio if we were in two separate rooms, but you know what? It's not fun that way. We're on vacation, and we're <laughs> going to do this podcast face-to-face. So look forward to crisp audio in the future, but for now, join us in this more casual setting as we discuss The Way of Kings, chapters 2, 3, and 4, Honor is Dead, The City of Bells, and The Shattered Plains. In these chapters, Kaladin has a bad day, Shalon has a promising one, and Kaladin's bad day gets worse. Okay, so here are some observations just off the top of my head. First of all, okay, since the prelude, it has been 4,505 years and eight months. I'm going to keep track of how long this happens because we had the assassination. Five years later, we're at the we're at, you know, Kaladin's moment of glory, and then it's eight months later, and his life is garbage. <laughs> his life is garbage. Uh, so we're going to start with Kaladin, who has, not as Emily predicted, he has not been promoted. He's, in fact, been demoted. Super demoted. And he is being sent to be sold with a bunch of other men. They don't know where they're going. Um, but, Emmy, you said you had a question. That you wanted me I to ask you. I have so many questions, first of all, you guys. And Megan is a skinflint. I sat there okay. reading, and I had a bunch of questions. And she goes, oh, I guess you better read and find out. To, like, eight questions. But, okay, you said you had a question you wanted me to ask you. Oh, yes. Um, Megan, I need you to ask me why um, I don't love Kaladin. What? Why don't you love Kaladin? I can't love Kaladin. <laughs> because I'm afraid he's going to die. <laughs> and I can't, I can't do it. Okay, wait, time Val- out. Valor Morgas. <laughs> do you remember what happened the last time we were reading a book series and a character died? And I can't, <laughs> I'm not going to say what the book 
is because it's recently come out. And we were sharing a copy. And I had already read it. So Emily is reading this book. She And so I'm just reading it over her shoulder, waiting for a moment I know is coming where a character dies. Emily, what did happen that day? I ended up sobbing on your shoulder for 20 minutes. And we were later like, I couldn't reach my phone, so I just had to sit there. (laughs) (laughs) I am full of love. (laughs) So that's why I can't love anyone in this series. Wow. You're going to be resisting real hard then, I guess. (laughs) Um, So we start... We saw what Kaladin's life was like through Sen's eyes in the last chapter. And now we finally get Kaladin as our point of view character. Um, Oh, and guess what? What? Sen's dead. Yeah. Dalit's dead. Yeah. Some other guy named Tyr. Tyrn? Tian is dead. Some guy named Tyrn. Everybody's dead. Everybody dies. All men must die. Mm -hmm. Sorry. That, this is not... Uh, Game of Thrones podcast. This is a Way of Kings podcast. But uh, the first time I read this book, I thought, until we got to Shalon's chapter, I thought the point of the book series was that someone would die every single chapter. Because Talon got sacrificed in the prelude. Uh, Gavilar and all of the guards got killed in the prologue. Sen uh, has died at the end of chapter one. And then the slave... Um, who was sick and Kaladin wanted, uh, Kaladin wanted to heal him. We'll get to that, but spoilers, it does not end well. (laughs) So they're traveling and we're finding out more about the world. And it was so cool because I finally realized it's like the ocean floor. They're traveling across these plains, but it's the ocean floor. They walk by the grass and the grass like sucks itself back into the rock and the wagons with all the slaves in them are pulled by things called chulls which are oxen-sized crustaceans so now everyone you can send emily your crab roshar memes do it because anytime you see a picture of a crab with a knife people are like it's the lamb kings (laughs) So Kaladin is in a wagon with how many men? You know, Megan, you ask me these things that I don't plan to answer. I'm asking you because it's a significant number. Is it nine? It's ten. It's ten. It's ten. And then after... And then it's nine. And then after one of the men gets killed, it's nine. So How many swords are in the ground? Oh, yeah. Uh, I have to fix a little bit of... Not a super misspeak, but I think in the last episode I said that ten was a magical number. I would like to amend that to say in this series, ten is a significant number. Um, especially ten that gets knocked down to nine. It's just something that constantly happens. We have the ten heralds at the beginning and they leave town behind and then we see there should be 10 statues in the hallway in the prelude but i think shalash's statue has been destroyed and it's been knocked down to nine now we have these 10 men in one wagon and one of them is killed and it's knocked down to nine so i find that significant everyone's trying to be kaladin's friend we've got the other men in the wagon are trying to find out about his history because apparently he's infamous. No one knows who he is. They don't know he's a war hero. They just know he's a slave who has revolted and led other slave revolts in these last eight months. Mm-hmm. And 
they come to him, they're like, hey, I'll give you some of my food if you help me escape. And everyone just wants him to, like, be their leader and be their friend. And it's mm-hmm. just very interesting that he just inspires hope wherever he is. And we talked a few different times. Hey, how many times did Kaladin try to escape? Eight, nine, ten. Ten. <laughs> okay. Uh, Listen, guys. Spoiler alert. Meg's Emily, like, let's read it. It's going to be really fun. <laughs> and I just get humiliated every week. I think that the only time that I'm going to ask you how many, the answer is going to be either nine or ten. Fifty-fifty. Yeah. Okay. So you don't have to guess eight anymore, even though eight was the answer the first time. That was because I was right. We're not professional podcasters yet because we haven't started a Patreon or anything, so we haven't been paid for it. Once we get paid for it, our standards will go way up. Way up. <laughs> the men in the wagon try to befriend Kaladin, and there's something else that's trying to get Kaladin to talk. There is a little. It's called a wind spren, and. They're kind of mischievous, I guess, spirits sort of a thing. But they're usually... So this one that comes to talk to Kaladin, she's Tinkerbell size, and she shaped it's shaped like a woman, and it talks to him, and it knows his name, which freaks him out because that's not what Windspren do. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about Spren. We've seen a couple different t- kinds at this point. We've seen in the prologue, Music Spren... Uh, dancing with the drummers. Music spren look like silver ribbons that pulse in time with the music. We've seen fear spren, which look like brown, purple globs. Yeah, just oozing and wiggling around. And then Kaladin has a new brand on his forehead, and he mentions that there could be tiny red rot spren around it. Em, what do you think a spren is? I think it has to do with the energy of the world and some are more attuned to specific things than others so when they manifest it's like the vibrations of the world yeah so and and Kaladin mentions that windspren uh sometimes play pranks like she sticks the wooden bowl to Kaladin's fingers (laughs) like Emily said she knows his name she talks to him and he talks back and the other men in the wagon sort of mutter about it because Kaladin mentions Spren can make noise, Spren can talk to you, and only, like, fools try to talk back. <laughs> so you mentioned that he had new brands on his forehead. Yes. So I want to talk about that a little bit because in the first chapter they mentioned that Kaladin can read glyphs and that he knows about wounds. Like, they name all of these things. He has three glyphs. He got two on his last day of service in Amaram's army, which I was like, oh, that's, is it like a goodbye gift? (laughs) And Meg was like, definitely not. Yes. Hello. Congratulations on your last day. Here's some burning hot metal we're going to plant in the flesh (laughs) of your forehead. So that one's healed over, but the last one. (laughs) Say, have a great summer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This last one is called... Oh, oh, the last one says dangerous. Shash brand. A shash brand. And so it's this, you know, announcement to everyone that he's around that as a a slave, he already has a reputation that precedes him, even though no one knows who he is. Um, And so I thought that was interesting because um, he, he reveals he can read 
glyphs to the other slaves and they're like, you can read glyphs? Like that's not a, very, a common thing. And another thing is the slave who is sick, Kaladin just in the back of his mind is going, well, if we did this or this or this, like he knows exactly what's wrong with the slave. He knows exactly what sickness he has. He knows how to fix it. And I've got to think that's got to be so frustrating to know how to fix a thing and be in a position of just you're completely powerless. So he's not so much a scrappy underdog at this point as he is a learned underdog. Sad underdog. Um, the snoring that you hear is an actual is dog. an actual dog right underneath the microphone. He, I've been gone all day, and he's been very sad about it. He usually comes to work with me, but not today, and so he's very sad. I would like to add an additional spren to the spren watch when not the sixth slave, but the initial man who uh, is trying to convince Kaladin to take him on his next escape attempt. He attracts some hunger spren. They look like brown flies that flit around his head. That's right. At this point, Kaladin has been a slave for eight months. And it is mentioned at some point in this chapter that Vorin, uh, the common religion of the land they are in, has specific rules governing the rules of slaves. So I'm going to talk a little bit about, and we're going to lead into light eyes, dark eyes stuff with this. We're going to talk about cultural bias in the way of kings. You mentioned in the last episode how unfair it was that they had this cast split between light eyes and dark eyes. Mm-hmm. So the Voran religion, which is the prevailing religion where Kaladin lives, they have, and we'll get into this in Shallan cha- Shallan's chapter two, they have really strict rules about gender and then the cast you're in, whether you are light-eyed or dark-eyed. And to not jump too far into it because I would like to ask Emily her thoughts on it. One of the things I enjoy about these books is it presents us with a typical fantasy setting with class systems and traditions and an us versus a them. And Emily, I would just ask you to keep an eye out as to how these systems are either accepted by main characters, questioned, or worked around. Perfect. Um, One thing I also am looking forward to finding out is that if the light versus dark eyes, uh, if that rule is the same across all races, or if it is just the Alethi. And so I'm very excited to find that out. So Kaladin ends up brushing off the man who's asking him to join him on an escape attempt. Kaladin talks about his brands, and then the first moon comes up over the horizon Let's talk about what's in the night sky. On it's Roshar. a purple moon. And it's apparently beautiful. And I I just sat there reading that and just went, I want to see that. That sounds beautiful. It was a clear night and the stars shivered high above. Town's scar, a swath of deep red stars that stood out vibrantly from the twinkling white ones, was high in the sky this season. That Those are my notes. I'm like, town, that's a name. That's <gasps> that's the name of the dude that got left in hell. And so now I'm just like, ooh, ooh, town scar. Is this from like him? I don't know. Is he back? Is he, did he escape from hell? Is this like, ooh, I'm just excited to figure out what this is. Who named this swath of stars? Yeah. And in a grounded sense, why are the, and it's not just, because, you know, here on Earth we have Beetlejuice, which is the red-ish star, and, you know, 
Mars sometimes looks red-ish, but what could have caused like a streak of bright red stars all clustered together like dun, that? Dun, dun. So two hours past first moon, the slave driver Tavlakov calls a halt, and we let the men out to take care of business, stretch their legs before they get shoved back into their wagons again. Kaladin has got something. He has some leaves. He has some leaves that he collected on an, an earlier break, and I can't remember what they're called, but they are poison. They are blackbane. Blackbane. So he needs them to be dry. He's been holding on to them, and he's not sure if he's going to use them on the slave driver or if he's going to use them on himself. And he doesn't know the answer to that. But this spren... She is interested in these leaves. And she's very childish and very, what is it? You can show me. I won't tell. Is it a treasure? Is it a piece of the knight's cloak? What do you think of, of this windspread? I mean, obviously she's going to be important. I'm intrigued to find out why she's so different from the other ones. Um, and if it's if that's just because of her or if that's because of Kaladin, but none of the other Sprens have fully manifested, so it is a mystery. People don't eat leaves, you know, Kaladin. Or do you? I can't remember. You're so strange, stuffing some things into your mouth, leaking out other things when you don't think anyone is looking. <laughs> that was funny. And then tragedy strikes. Tragedy, well, yes. In my notes, I have no written in very long hand. <laughs> Kaladin tries to help someone. And this person, you know, Kaladin tells the slavers, you can cure him if you just give him extra water, mix sugar in it, uh, you can cure him. And the slavers drag this sick man who's been coughing the whole chapter, they drag him out of the wagons, and they kill him in front of everyone. Kaladin tries to help someone, and they're instantly killed for it. Kaladin's tried to escape 10 times with different groups of slaves. And every single time, whenever he tries to lead a revolt, everyone is killed except for him. And he hates it. Really does. So. Uh, on that very dark note, Kaladin threatening to block of, um, Oh, yeah. He threatens. He's like, I'm going to push him. I'm going to push you off a cliff. Or he wants to push him off a cliff. Yeah, and, and in that moment, he decides he's going to use the Black Bane leaves onto Vlachov. Except. <laughs> Except. When he slammed his hand against the bars to scream, he'd been holding the Black Bane. And he's turned it into powder in his hands. Crumbled away. <laughs> the wind gathers, blowing dust, crumbs, and dirt out of the wagon and into the night. Even this, Kaladin failed. Oh. Poor buddy. Let's talk a little bit about the City of Bells. Emily, there's a picture in the book. There's a picture. Oh, I got so excited when I realized. So we have Shalon. Is it Shalon? Yep. She is an artist. And so there's pictures at the beginning of this chapter. And you find out later, these are her sketches. She's on a boat. She's been sailing, trying to find... Yasna Colin. Yasna Colin. And this picture is of the sky eels. They are regular-sized eels that fly around in the air and eat rats and are on the boats. And and I was just like, well, where did these drawings come from? And you find out later she is a scholar and an artist. And she has been, she's like 
Jane from Tarzan, where she sketches everything. Throughout the book, we are going to have pages from Shalon's sketchbook. We'll have actual documents that are mentioned, pages from, you know, other artists. And Brandon and Team Dragonsteel have put so much work into getting these really great illustrations throughout the whole series. So, it's a couple shout-outs. Isaac Stewart is the art director for the interior illustrations. Ben McSweeney is the artist who does Shalon's sketchbook pages. And there are a couple other interior illustrations done either in this book or the next book by Dan Dos Santos. Dan Dos Santos. One of the two. We'll check it out. <laughs> While we're here, I want you to look at the, well, because Emily's got the book open looking at the illustration. I want you to look at the chapter heading. Okay. I want you to flip back to Kaladin's and look at his chapter heading. Okay. Oh, it's the same. Is it? Well, I mean, there's City of... Oh, okay. So there's like a stone arch and there are eyes with keyholes for the eyes. And then there are, it looks like female women statues. And in Kaladin's, they don't have headbands on, but in... Shalons, they do with like a jewel in the middle. Flip back one chapter further. Let's go to, to Sen's chapter. Okay. That one. Oh, it's dudes. It's dudes. I know it's hard to spot them. No, I was. Okay, the reason I paused is you said, let's go to so and so's chapter, and I couldn't remember whose chapter it was if it was supposed to be. Sen is dead, and Emily has already wiped him from her memory. I heard something else. I don't know what I heard, but anyways, okay, got it. Now there's another thing I have to keep track of. So sorry. <laughs> so that's very cool. So obviously, that's important. So I'll look for that. So we're with Shalon. She's in the City of Bells. Emily, what's she doing and how'd she get here? We find out that her family is in dire straits. Financial trouble. Her dad has promised a whole bunch of people a lot of things. And they are in debt up to their eyeballs. Past their eyeballs. They're just, their house is going to fall. They're going to be absorbed into other houses and basically worked to the bone as punishment. Problem is, her dad dead. He's so dead. Super dead. Nobody knows this but her and her brothers. And so she has a plan. We don't know what that plan is exactly yet. We, quote unquote, we don't know what that plan is. <laughs> the royal we, you re listeners, you, me, together. Megan doesn't count. Um, she has a plan and that includes traveling to find, say her name one more time. Yasna. Yasna Colin. Colin? Colin. Yasna Colin. And she has written to this woman who is the king's sister asking to be her ward. And the woman's like, sure, come join me. And so Shalon has basically gone from port to port to port, missing this woman by inches. Yes. <laughs> it's just trying to catch up with her. Think about Yasna is by king's sister. This is not Gavilar who was murdered in the first chapter. Okay. This is his son who is now king. Oh, okay. So she is the daughter of the king who was murdered of in the, the first chapter. Okay. Her brother is ascended to the throne. We saw her brother, Elokar, for a little tiny bit in the prologue. Everyone refers to Yasna as a... Heretic! Which I'm super excited to like find out more because I'm wondering if they're... 
Like, it sounds like they're saying it very... What's the word I'm trying to think of? Fondly. Fondly. Where they're like, oh, she's our heretic sort of a thing. Our harebrained heretic princess. But I'm just wondering, is that just in their city? Is the religion worldwide? And so I'm very intrigued because it seems like Seth from the prologue had a different religion and believed in a lot of different things than everybody else. And so I'm intrigued to see who, who, that's what I'm looking for. I hate this. Who believes what? No, like who lets her get away with this versus who's offended by it. Oh, yeah. We know from the prologue that King Gavilar was a devout Vorin. Yes. And Alethkar is a nation that pretty much follows the Vorin religion. Uh, Kaladin mentions in his chapter that he thinks they're being taken pretty far away where the Vorin laws regarding the trade of slaves will be um, like a distant rumor. So obviously in the center of Alethkar, the Vorin religion really dictates the day-to-day roles of the mm-hmm. society. So all you know, Emily, is that Yasna is a heretic in the eyes of the Vorin religion. Got it. What does that mean? You don't know we yet. don't know yet. But Shalon is chasing her. We find out a little bit more. She is a, a scholar, an artist. Um, she does keep her left hand covered. It's called her safe hand. And it's like buttoned up so it can't accidentally slide out. Her right hand is called her free hand. Women read and do numbers. Men read glyphs. I don't know if that means only men can read them or women and men know of them. But um, they have two very separate forms of communication. Yeah. And in fact, not all men read glyphs. Just (laughs) not all men. Not all men. (laughs) Do men read glyphs? Hashtag not <laughs> Because in Sen's chapter, uh, Dalit mentioned that Kaladin's ability to read glyphs made him odd. Mm-hmm. Shalon, she is a woman and therefore she reads and writes. And let's talk a little bit about her attitude. The sailors try to flirt with her. And it does embarrass her. She blushes and stuff, but Emily, what does our conversation with the sailors go like? She is very smart and very witty. And she feels guilty about it because she's not supposed to basically be able to, like, flirt. She shouldn't be flirting with them. She shouldn't show off. I'm going to say she shouldn't show off how smart she is. That's not how holding, clever how clever she is. She, she knows she's supposed to be demure. Like, at the beginning of the chapter, she talks about how she just expected to live her whole life in her dad's library and then be married and go live in her husband's library. Like, she's been she's been raised for a very specific role which she's having to break out of now, and it makes her very uncomfortable. So she has this really fun conversation with the captain of the ship, who is a Thalen. And that means their hair can be, their their hair coming out of the top of their head is whatever color it ends up being. But their beards are white, and their eyebrows are white, and their eyebrows grow out like their hair, and he has tucked his eyebrows Back behind his ears. No, that's the slaver. No. That is him. I thought his were like a foot long and like fluttered up in the air. I'm going to check because you might be right about Tablakov. I don't like Tablakov, so I don't give a 
what he looks like. Tavlakov is the... Tavlakov is the slaver. slaver. Tazbek is the captain. And they are Thalens. I'm going to make sure Tavlakov is Thalen. They're still... Come on, he shows up. You are right. Yes! Clap, clap some more. No, we're leaving that in. <laughs> okay, we can do that. It's the one time I'm right. So, both Kaladin and Shalon are interacting with a Thalen man. Yeah. So, Tavlakov, the slaver, is Thalen. So, he's got a white beard and white eyebrows. That he tucks behind his ears. And then Tazbek, who is the captain, um, he also has these very long white eyebrows. That just and wave in the air. He, Yeah, he wears them up in a curious spiked pattern. So I don't know if they're gelled down or if he just brushes them straight up. And Tazbek and his wife, Ashlov, run this vessel. And uh, Shalon sets foot in Karbranth, which is known as the City of Bells. And she sees all kinds of interesting people there. Yeah, she she sees Parshendi. She sees Parshman. Um, She sees lots of Thalen. She sees a... It's not a species. They're not aliens. Natanatan. Natanatan? Natanatan. Natanatan. There are so many ways this could be said. But it talks about how they have faint blue skin and they wear gloves. Like all of them. And so it's just very cool. It's kind of like this melting pot. Um... But it's in a city that is carved out of stone. And so... Seth would not have a Seth very good time Seth wouldn't have a good time here. <laughs> she ends up going to find... So, what's her name again? Yasna. Yasna is said to have been here. Shalon's going to go find her. And she ends up taking a carriage. Not a carriage, but like a... She was expecting a palanquin. And it ends up being a, a small wheeled cart that someone pulls. Perfect. So she goes to pay them, and we find out a little bit more about their currency system. Meg's getting really excited. So they're, they're like marble-shaped. They're glass spheres with tiny bits of gem in the middle of each one. And so there's diamond. I think they said ruby and emeralds. And it explains a little bit about how stormlight can be absorbed into these. And the brighter they are, the more valuable they are. Um, dim ones are looked upon as fraudulent. Yeah, it's easier to counterfeit a dull sphere. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the sailors off the ship, Yalb, helps her find this porter. And the porter speaks in a language that Shalon does not know, but Yalb does. And the porter uh, tries to shortchange, well, he tries to overcharge Shalon, saying that he'll split the difference with Yalb if he's like, hey, tell her that the ride costs this much. <laughs> and then I'll split the difference of the profit with you. Shalon ends up paying the porter extra money, but then she gives Yalb a emerald. Which, um, we find out that emeralds are very expensive. They're used by soul casters to create food. And that's not the first we've heard of soul casters, but that is the first time... Well, maybe it is. You, you asked me if I knew what they were, so I don't know if mm-hmm. they've been mentioned before. They haven't been mentioned yet, but I did ask you to guess what a soul caster was. And I guess that they could cast their souls into other people and control their bodies. It doesn't sound like I guessed correctly. So um, I'm just wondering, is it because it's so expensive and that's what they charge to create food? Or if they use the emeralds to create Mm -hmm. food? Quick, quick 
correction, she gives Yelp a ruby mark, which ruby he calls mark. a fire mark. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's the slang that's like built in into around what they what they are called. But yeah, as as Shalon is talking about the different denominations of money, emeralds were the most valuable because, like Emily said, they can be used by soul casters to create food. Oh, one more thing. So here's one thing I, I noticed. She goes into the palace. Um, oh, wait, real fast. Sorry, before we go inside. Carbranth is called the City of Bells. There's bells everywhere. There's bells everywhere. Uh, shopkeepers hang them in their doorway. There's, like, bigger ones on poles, strung on strings. Just the whole city's covered in bells. That sounds horrific. Only if the wind is blowing. <laughs> See, I always pictured it as being, like, really nice. You know, when you go to the... The Home Depot or whatever, and you go in the garden center and there's all the wind chimes around. I just picture it as being like a city of wind chimes. Oh, okay. That sounds nice. I'm thinking like, clung, clung, clung. You don't have a very good imagination. (laughs) (laughs) So mean. I'm reading this because you asked me to. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's okay. I still love you. She finds out that Yasna is there. Whew, phew. She goes inside. She's being led to this woman. And she talks about, she she describes, because she's a an artist and she notices all these details, which I think is great, of Brandon Sanderson, instead of just sitting there and being like, and the building looked like this, and da-da-da-da-da. It's because she's interested in it, and therefore she notices it. I thought that was very cool. But she's talking about it feels old. One book she'd read claimed that the city had been founded way back in the shadow days, years before the last desolation. That would make it old indeed. Thousands of years old. Created before the terrors of the higher, higher, hierocracy? Okay, that's how we're going to say it. Long before even the recreants. Recreants? Ugh. Sorry. Not you, me. Back when the void bringers with bodies of stone were said to have stocked the land. And I was thinking, maybe that's who Seth's people worship is the void bringers, which is why it's blasphemous to carve stone. Maybe. 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 Kalak in the prelude is fighting something called a thunderclast. Can you go back and read the description of a thunderclast? Ooh, yes. Is that in the prologue? It's in the prelude. Prelude. Uh, la, 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 la. Okay, even after all these centuries, seeing a thunderclast up close made Kalak shiver. The beast's hand was as long as a man was tall. Dun, dun, dun. Giant. So, yeah. Oh, he'd been killed by hands like that before, and it hadn't been pleasant. Of course, dying rarely was. What's it made of? I don't know. Stone? Oh, the enormous stone beast lay on its side, rib-like protrusions from its chest broken and cracked. So, thousands of years ago, Kalak fought beings of stone named Thunderclasts. Mm -hmm. And now Shalon references that way back in history, there are these things called Voidbringers. Are they the same thing? I don't know, but they're points of connection that we can pay attention to. It's, It's interesting to see how different perspectives throughout history consider the same events in this world. Nice. So, yeah. Anyways, um, Shalon doesn't know why Yasna 
said yes to <laughs> yes na <laughs> yes na <laughs> doesn't know why she accepted her plea to become her ward and she's gonna find out but the chapter ended and so we don't know and listeners you should know i really did consider having two shallan chapters but there was so much new stuff to talk about in carl bronf that we're gonna dive a little deeper into the shallan next time perfect but it's back to the man emily has sworn never to love kaladin kaladin zero love for this man this boy <laughs> he's a boy a baby boy baby, <laughs> baby boy. i kind of want to just talk about what's in the book but obviously this world is so big and so wide that a lot of times people will ask brandon questions at book signings or on reddit and he's pretty free with like information that's not a spoiler these are known as word of brandon and i'm not going to spend i don't want to input too many words of brandon into this podcast because again i want emily to discover this book on her own uh so if any of you are like uh but there's a word of brandon that answers emily's question when we get to the end of the book if there are relevant words of brandon we'll, we'll impart those but I, I i know i'm very famous for saying the book will answer all of your questions but there's a lot of additional world building that's not seen from the perspective of the characters we hang out with okay and some of it's really interesting when we get to the interludes the interludes do some great world building. You'll love it. Anyway, back to Kaladin. Back to Kaladin. So Kaladin's having a really terrible, terrible time of it. The Spren is trying to wax poetic and be like, asking him all these questions. And he's like, ugh, I don't know. <laughs> um, we find out that there are two kind of guards the walking along and it talks about that one of them well he has his spear and his cudgel he didn't carry a sword not even Tavlok give did that not near a lethe land i don't know what that means but i'm excited to find out so that'll be really fun um it comes to find out that they seem lost <laughs> like kaladin's like it's way past lunchtime and they're still traveling and the slave owner you know, caravan dude has this map that he's pulled out and he keeps looking at it. And they're in the middle of nowhere, like nowhere. And so, of course, Kaladin starts heckling him and, you know, <laughs> and he, um, he's just like, so Tavlakiv, is that how you say his name? Mm-hmm. Um, comes up to Kaladin, who's in this, you know, wooden wagon and he, he calls him deserter. You know, he's like, hey, deserter, Alethi armies travel these lands for their war. Do you know anything of the area? So obviously this guy kind of knows a little bit about, you know, I don't know. He knows something about Kaladin, which nobody else does. And so Kaladin's like, give me the map. And so the guy's like, uh, okay. And he gives him the map and Kaladin rips it to shreds in front of him and throws it up like confetti. And it's just like. Screw you all! I hate you! I hate you all! How can you not love Kaladin after that? Because I can't! You should. I can't. You should. I won't. Obviously. No. Obviously. No. Obviously, everyone dies except Kaladin, so he must be safe. No! Listen, I'm not saying what book it is, but I've read three others. Okay, I've read three other series of Brandons. Read two of them, read half of another, <laughs> not including Way of Kinks. He kills one of the main point of view characters in one of the books. That is a huge, <laughs> <two of> <laughs> so 
<laughs> I'm not trusting Brando Sando. <laughs> Take it back. <laughs> Three. So nobody's safe. Who knows what's going to happen? I don't. I'm trying to save myself some pain. So don't tell me what to do. Okay. I won't. But even though the map was torn up, and, and Tavlokov tries to brush this off, and is like, oh, ho, ho, if I ever get any pictures of my ex-wife, I'll make sure to give them to you. Uh, use your skills. They arrive pretty soon to where they are traveling to. Am I skipping wait, wait, too far You're ahead? skipping a little too far ahead. Sorry. Kaladin makes it known he wants to push this dude off a cliff, like tells him to his face. And we find out that Tavlakov knows a little bit about Kaladin. He's like, people talk. But he doesn't really say what he knows about Kaladin. But he knows Kaladin's history. And we find out that like Kaladin like led a slave revolt of like 20 slaves. And it was a big deal. Like he's continually fought this injustice for these. He's been a slave for eight months. He's gone from glory and honor and being this really great leader to a slave who is real pissed about it. <laughs> oh, but then we find out. Very shades of Ben-Hur. Yes. Ooh, I like that. Very much so. And then we find out that where they were going. We find out because they ended up not being lost. Mm-hmm. They end up. Where they end up, Megan? Well, it's the title of the chapter, Emily. Oh, the Shattered Plains. I wrote it down. I didn't have to look it up. They are all the way to the east of this country. They're like the furthest east you can go. Oh, you remember that I from, remember the that map? from the map? See, maps are important. <laughs> oh, you said Ben-Hur? Yep. I, I think this is going to be a mix of Ben-Hur and like Joseph in Egypt where his brothers sell him to slavery and then later he like wins the famine by like mm-hmm. becoming second in command of Egypt and before they get to the shattered plains a storm hits oh that's right and it's called a high storm the wagon leaked during high storms that wasn't surprising Tavlakov had almost missed getting ready for this high storm apparently the map Kaladin had torn up had also included a list of high storm dates purchased from a roving storm warden The storms could be predicted mathematically. Kaladin's father had made a hobby out of it. He'd been able to pick the right day eight times out of ten. That's very cool. Again, Kaladin comes from somewhere. Mm -hmm. And we don't know much about him and I just want to know. Somewhere where his dad could do math as a hobby in a world where men don't read. Yeah. Yeah. Women do that stuff. In our pre-prelude episode, I asked you what you knew about the weather. I said nothing. Let's talk a little bit about high storms. Okay. High storms. They are regularly occurring storms. Everyone is afraid to go out in them. Not that they come, you know, like every three days or or in an easy to decipher pattern. It's quite a complex mathematical pattern. But you mentioned how this world seems like the bottom of an ocean. Yes. It's because a lot of this stuff has evolved to survive the way a tide might come in and out. Oh. These hurricane-level storms on a regular basis. Very cool. Yeah, the stuff, like, gets sucked back in, you know, the grass sucks back Mm -hmm. into the 
ground and the so do the leaves. Yeah, most most of the plants that Kaladin mentions have polyps or like stone almost shapes around them that the the green I don't think greenery is the right word, but that the plant life, you know, slurps back into. Kaladin talks about how dangerous high storms are. Uh, so deadly that rocks and branches are cast up into the air. So the storm's initial tempest of water and wind, it's called the storm wall, is the most dangerous part. Emily, have you been in a hurricane before? I have been in several hurricanes before, actually. Do you want to talk about what it's like to be in a hurricane? A hurricane, it's terrifying. So I've been in one when I was, you were in one, but you were probably too young to remember. Um, Mm. But then um, I lived in Texas and we had um, like three hurricanes in the space of six weeks. And one was Ike and it just shredded everything. I mean, it's wind, it's darkness, it's water, it's just destruction. There's flooding and it's it's pretty terrifying. Yeah, so they, these wagons that they're in are designed to lock down. They are chained also to boulders. Kaladin's worried during the storm that something will happen to Tavlakov. Not out of any concern. He's afraid Tavlakov will die in the high storm, so Kaladin can't kill him. But Tavlakov is fine. (laughs) Uh, They take the sides of the wagon down early so the men can get washed off before they're taken to their final destination, which is... The army! The army! We... So, they... We've yelled about eight times, and they make it to the Shattered Plain! Oh, wait. (laughs) So, (laughs) now... We gotta talk about something else. Now? No. They made it to the Shattered Plains! Which may not be a good thing. I was really excited about it, and now I don't know. Kaladin's almost amused at this. He spent years trying to get here. It's... It's what Tien wanted. What? Which is a name we've heard a couple times. Uh, We don't know who Tien is, but it was Tien's dream to get to the Shattered Plains. Wow. I know Emily just saw that the chapter ended here and she got so excited that she stopped paying attention. (laughs) Um, Let's see. So they talk about... So they're going to be here in the King's Army. (laughs) So people kind of have hope. They're like, oh, we'll be able to like earn out our... You know, basically our slave price. We're not our contracts. And Kaladin knows that that's basically impossible. Let's see. Do they talk about how the camps are organized? Yeah, they talk about, I've got it in my notes, there are soul casters who have created stone barracks. So are soul casters heretics? Oh no, because Seth was the only one. These yeah. are these are different ones. Seth Never mind. is from Shinovar. When is he coming back? Why would I tell you if he comes back? <laughs> I just want to know. Well, he's not on the cover, so <laughs> it's like asking when is Sen going to come back? <laughs> is When are the people... No, Sen's dead, Emily. <laughs> when are the people from the prologue going to come back? <laughs> 5,000 years ago. Oh, also, it's reiterated how much Kaladin hates light eyes. He hates them. He talks about how their corpse is wrapped in silk. Like, like he hates these guys. I'm very excited to find out why. So uh, there are masses of troops ranked uh, in circles by company in a series of enormous crater-like rock formations that almost look like broken eggshells. All right, Emily, 
how no. many no. masses of troops are there? Ten. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there are ten. Ten of them. There, so there are basically ten armies are here. And then the army they're led up to that, that Kaladin sees first, he recognizes a ton of different glyphs. So Kaladin had left an army a, much like this eight months ago. This one covered miles and miles and miles stretching north and south. There are tents. There are banners from a thousand different families. Uh, the encampment directly ahead of them flies a banner that Kaladin had seen in books. Deep blue with white glyphs, Kulk and Lenil, stylized and painted as a sword standing before a crown. House Colin, the king's house. Look at the names of the glyphs. Is there anything that strikes you interestingly about how they are spelled? Where are they? House Colin, the king's house. Nope, the actual glyphs. Oh, they're italicized. <laughs> how they're spelled, Emily. Coke and Lanil. I don't I don't know what you're asking. Spell Linel out loud. L I N I L Oh, they they're the same forwards and backwards. Yes, they are. Not Coke, though. Well, the the consider the KH as a single. Oh. Coke. Lanil. What's the word for that where it's the same backwards and forwards? Palindrome. It's a palindrome. Kalak. Talenalat. <gasps> Shalash. <gasps> that's very cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, you guys, that's very cool. It's very cool. We're at the Shattered Plains. We're at the Shattered Plains, and here's the one last thing before the chapter ends. They've talked about all the people that are here, that he sat, still he found himself wondering, that was the king's army, the armies of all ten high princes, come to fulfill the Vengeance Pact. And Vengeance is capitalized. The Vengeance Pact. I'm guessing this is the Vengeance Pact everyone took when their king was killed, that they swore revenge. They're going to continue this on until they get their vengeance. I don't know what that looks like. If it's killing every single, you know, Parshman or Parshendi. Or if that means killing their king or something. But we have yet to find out what that means. All right. So at this point of the book, we are at chapter five. Mm-hmm. We are 89 pages into the series. I feel now, at this point, three episodes into our podcast, all of the introduction stuff is out of the way. Okay. And from this point on, it's plot time. Plot time! So, the setup is done. It's plot time next. And now you don't really have any indications for the plot, but Emily, I'd like to ask for your predictions. Kaladin's going to push to Vlakiv off a cliff. I'm looking at your notes, and I just see ginger really big. It <laughs> okay, underlined three times. Shalon is a ginger. Shalon has red hair. Which is a weird thing in her culture. She, most of the people have black hair, and she doesn't. She's a ginger. So my prediction is uh, Kaladin's going to push to block him off a cliff, and he's going to find out how much worse his life can get because... He has no self-control, I guess. I don't know. Maybe Tavlakov can just flap his eyebrows and fly. Maybe that's it. Shalon, I remember one thing you told me that she does in the future 
but I'm afraid it's a spoiler. So my prediction right now is that yeah, what's her name? Yasna. My prediction is that Yasna has a secret agenda and that she did not pick Shalon as her ward out of the goodness of her heart. She has a, a secret agenda when it comes to this and she's she needs either this girl from this very specific house or you know this girl who is who is you know a redhead in you know redheads are special <laughs> emily has beautiful red hair I'm the ginger you're special i'm special dang it yes nicolin wants me for my hair <laughs> so those are my predictions i'm All excited right. to find out what happens if block goes off a cliff kaladin's life gets worse and Shalon was picked for nefarious reasons. Yep. All right, so our next reading assignment. Uh, so the next reading assignment will be chapters 5, 6, and 7, Heretic, Bridge 4, and Anything Reasonable. And that should get us up to page 145. Nice. It's a little cliffhanger. Of course it is. It's a little, little bit. So, chapters 5, 6, and 7. I'm very excited. My name is Megan, and it's time for me to get back to storyboarding. My name is Emily. I gotta get back to writing. I believe in you. I believe in you. Ready? Break! much for tuning in to my sister made me view it way of kings edition catch us next tuesday july 27th when we release our next episode from the haunting of hill house where we talk about how much meg loves steve don't slander me (laughs) and then if that's not enough catch us thursday july 29th where we release our next episode of Roswell, the 1999 version. Just podcasting all up in this place. And then, the Thursday after that, we're back, baby, with more The Way of Kings. So catch us, like Meg said, August 5th for our next Way of Kings episode. Special thanks to Michael Biancardi for the use of his song, A Passing Storm, as our intro and exit music. Catch us on our social media feeds on our Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram at SisMadeMeViewIt. You can also catch our very cool website, www.SisMadeMeViewIt.com. And if that wasn't enough, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your RSS feeds. Speaking of iTunes, you know what would be really great and would really help these two sisters out? It's if you went and left us a review on iTunes. We would just love you forever. Anyway, that's all we have time for today. Thanks again for tuning in. I believe in you.